Twitter.com slash Stu does America. Join us as uh, we post things. If you're watching on YouTube, like the video right now, subscribe to the channel, hit the bell for notifications. We appreciate it. We're going to be doing big time election and debate coverage coming in the, in the coming months, of course. The first debate is Wednesday night. Uh, we will be here on Blaze TV as part of the network coverage that is going to occur. And you can join us for special pre- and post-game extended coverage at youtube.com slash America. Don't miss it. Stephen Kenton is going to join us here in a little bit to start talking about the absurd Dark Brandon meme the left is trying to pull off, which is just embarrassing. Joe Biden finally arrives for his photo op in Maui. But we start by doing the State of the Race 2024 Part 3. Part 3, uh, usually third sequels, pretty bad. I will say Rocky 3 is great. Some people like Return of the Jedi. I will say I'm not a big fan. Maybe we could start with you talk to Stephen Kent about that coming up in a little bit. Um, you've got also Halloween 3 Season of the Witch. Great movie. Uh, most people hate it. Uh, Godfather 3, really bad. I mean, Hangover 3, really bad. A lot of bad thirds. So hopefully that doesn't have anything to do with today's coverage. Today we're going into Chartapalooza. Yes, it's time for Chartapalooza. Conserva nerds. Unite. We've got lots of polling, lots of charts today, and lots of desperate candidates really super duper hoping to get to 1% in a poll because if they can do that, they might cross the threshold and be able to be on the debate stage. And I, I got to be honest with you, I really want them to break this into main, you know, adult table, kitty table debate again. I want that to happen. We have too many candidates that have qualified for this now, and we're going to get nothing out of this debate if, if we don't do something about this. We'll see how it goes. But let me give you a state of the race. Where do we stand as we enter the first debate week of the 2024 election season? CBS News poll finds Trump big leads grows as GOP voters dismiss indictments. We knew they were dismissing the indictments. Uh, but here is the poll, and this is one of the most impressive you'll find for Donald Trump. 62% Donald Trump leads, 16% for DeSantis. So, I mean, that lead is massive, a 46-point lead. In third place is Vivek Ramaswamy at 7, then Pence at 5, Scott at 3, Haley and Christie at 2, Doug Bergamentum at 1%. And Asa Hutchinson, who, by the way, seems to have qualified for the debate. I mean, we're actually going to be seeing Hutchinson on the stage uh, also at 1%. Uh, kind of embarrassing, honestly. The field is, uh, towards the bottom, gets a little bit shaky. But uh, yeah, this is what you, I guess you'd expect. DeSantis, uh, another poll came out. DeSantis tied with Ramaswamy for second in the primary. Emerson College polls showed DeSantis and Ramaswamy tied at 10% support each. Trailing former President Trump, who leads with 56% of the uh, vote, DeSantis kept his position in second place from previous polls, but he registered a big drop from that 21% he had in June. Ramaswamy rose from 2% then. I mean, I think whether you believe that they're tied, the narrative is generally true, where Ramaswamy seems to be rising and DeSantis seems to be trailing off. He, for a long time, even though he was way behind Trump, he had stayed uh, pretty, pretty solid, uh, pretty stable around the, you know, 20% range. That has not held up. And uh, DeSantis has fallen off just a little bit. We will see if his debate can create the sort of moment that helps propel him forward. Um, the, there is a weird disagreement between some of the online polls and some of the traditional polls. And 
when you look at online polling, and I don't mean like online polling, like I posted a, a, tw a Twitter poll and this is how it came out. These are scientific polls, but they use the internet instead of talking to real people. And they often have people who are more highly engaged in the election than the average person. That's not a terrible way of, of doing things because usually the people who are highly engaged in an election are the type of people who are gonna vote in an Iowa caucus or a New Hampshire primary. And as we go forward, as these candidates are out there more, people start thinking about the election more, more people become highly engaged. So this could be the type of thing where you look at the Ramaswamy polls, he's outperforming uh, other polls uh, when we're talking about online polls. Maybe this is true. Maybe this is something that's real for his campaign. Look, I said this a million times. We've had Vivek on the show before. He's a good candidate. I mean, he is. He, he knows what he's talking about. He is a very, uh, he's a good speaker. He never says um or hmm. He just goes and goes and goes and goes. He really is an impressive speaker, a smart guy, and a guy who, you know, who can talk about pretty much anything. Uh, he's certainly had his share of missteps, but generally speaking, he, he's a good candidate. And he's, I'm not surprised uh, that he's done well as far as communicating uh, his message. You look at these debates, I'd expect him to be pretty good in these debates this week. And I also expect DeSantis to do pretty well. I think both of them are pretty good candidates. And I'm not surprised uh, that they're toward the uh, top of that field. The four, a 46-point gap, though, between uh, DeSantis and Trump is more than I would have expected. You do see that margin much, much smaller in places like Iowa. You see now DeSantis is trying to up his game in Iowa. He's going around all the small towns. He's doing all the events. He's trying to engage uh, Iowa voters. And I think he correctly sees Iowa as pretty much a must win. I, I don't know that DeSantis could win this election if he were to lose Iowa to Trump, at least. Um, in fact, uh, to anybody, probably can't. Uh, he'd probably have to win Iowa to have a chance. And so he's kind of going all in there. I think that's probably the right strategy. Uh, the Des Moines Register, um, along with NBC News and uh, Selzer, this is like the, they always call this the, uh, the cream of the crop. It's the, uh, it's the gold, gold, uh, gold Star Award for best poll. In, sometimes in America, it was, it was rated the number one pollster in America a few years back uh, as far as quality and how they work these polls and, and not necessarily by results, but by methodology, right? You want someone who's doing the right things. Even if the results don't always come out right, you want someone who's doing the right things. Polling nerds, data analysts like this particular poll as one of the best ones in America, especially when it comes to Iowa. It's the cream of the crop when it comes to Iowa, the marquee poll. And here's what it, it came out today uh, uh, as well. And it shows that Donald, Donald Trump holds a commanding lead in the first test of the 2024 Republican uh, caucus field. Now, I will say uh, it's not as big as the national poll. Uh, Donald Trump at 42%. You remember he was at 62 in the national poll. Ron DeSantis at 19%. Uh, you remember uh, DeSantis was down by what, 46 in the national poll. Here, that lead is 23. So it's a much, much closer race. About, you know, it's half, half of the margin of the national race. A big, big difference. In third place is Tim Scott in Iowa with 9%. Nikki Haley at 6%. Mike Pence at 6%, Chris Christie at 5 Vivek Ramaswamy at 4 Doug Bergamentum, Doug Bergamania at 2 and Will Hurd at 1. Everyone else shows up with 0. And look at the names on the, at the 0 for just a second. You've got Ryan Binkley, Francis Suarez, Larry Elder, Asa Hutchison, and Perry Johnson. All five of those could theoretically be on the debate stage 
come Wednesday. They all have at least an outside shot of getting there. Asa Hutchinson is there, it seems like, for sure. Um, all of them, though, Francis Suarez says he's there, though no one knows what he's talking about. He's the mayor of Miami, by the way, if you don't know who he is. And he says he's got the polling, he's got the donors to get into this debate. And everyone who independently looks at his information says, I don't know where you're getting that from. It doesn't seem like you do have that. Um, but even people like people you've never heard of, Perry Johnson, have you ever hear, heard of Perry Johnson? Business guy running for president, has been running a lot of ads and has shown up in a poll or two. He may qualify if he gets lucky. Um, another one is Ryan Binkley, who's a guy, I guess, from the area here near Dallas, who's a pastor uh, and is running for president. You know, not a lot known uh, about him outside of his, I, I assume, his congregation. Uh, but he is one of these people who is running for president and has had, I think, one qualifying poll. All you have to do is hit 1%. So, again, it's one of those things that could happen. Larry Elder, who we may show you some of his video from uh, later on in the program. He, Larry Elder is a talk show host, ran for governor of California, has a really, he's really good at debating and speaking. He would do some damage in a debate. He, he would be tough to defeat in a debate. And he's the type of guy you could see really having a moment if he can climb into this debate. They're now saying he's at about 39,000 uh, donors, which puts him about 1,000 away. I assume he's probably there today. I would assume he's not going to end up at 39,000. The polling is close. He hasn't been included in every poll, so it's hard to get that 1% if you're not included. Uh, but... He is a potential. All these guys are potential. So, I mean, if you think about the debate for just a second to take this out, Trump isn't going to come, but he obviously would qualify if he wanted to. DeSantis is in. Scott is in. Haley is in. Pence is in. Christie is in. Ramaswamy is in. Burgum is in. Uh, will Hurd likely will not be in. He said he will not sign the pledge which is another qualifier you need to have to get into the uh, debate. And then everyone between Binkley, Suarez, Elder, Asa Hutchinson, Perry Johnson, you have 12 or 13 people, theoretically, on the, on the debate stage. Now, the Republicans have been really weird with how they've defined a poll that counts. They have, you have to have a qualifying poll. Well, what qualifies? They have a long methodology as to what qualifies, but the bottom line is they're not necessarily telling you in advance what it is, uh, at least which poll counts. So people are trying to figure this out on their own. A bunch of these people could get in. My guess is they're going to make sure some of them don't. Uh, even if uh, you know, you're, you're Perry Johnson, you have three um, uh, qualifying polls, do you really get in? I mean, are they really going to put Perry Johnson on the stage? You know, people that uh, no, one's, you know, no one's really heard of the guy. I mean, look, if he qualifies, he should be on the stage, I guess. But they really should break this into two debates if you're getting into 12 or 13 candidates. It's going to be ridiculous and we're going to learn nothing. OK, uh, it's kind of ridiculous. Now, they also ask uh, Repu Republican caucus goers uh, who currently favor Donald Trump. Are they more likely to say their mind is made up than those who currently favor Ron DeSantis? So if you if you favor Trump, about 66 percent of voters say their mind is made up. It's Donald Trump. And that's it. About a third of Trump voters say, I don't know, maybe I could go another way. Uh, the opposite is true, basically, with DeSantis. Uh, about 31% say their mind is made up. 69% say they could go another way. So the, the support for DeSantis is softer than Trump. That's the bad news if you're a DeSantis supporter or if you're Ron himself. On the good news side is side, a lot of people really do look at DeSantis and say, I wouldn't mind him being the nominee. Uh, he actually has the second highest number when it comes to that. Uh, to Donald Trump. The question is basically, who would you consider here? Who's in your realm of consideration? 
either you're saying he's my first choice, he's my second choice, or I'd consider him. Uh, the number one on this list is Donald Trump, who, of course, comes in uh, at uh, 63%. Number two is Ron DeSantis, uh, just two points behind at 61%. And then you've got Tim Scott, Nikki Haley, and Vivek Ramaswamy. But you see the huge drop-off from people who are considering a Ron DeSantis to the people who are considering, let's say, a Ramaswamy or a Pence. Now, those are two different reasons. A lot of people have ruled Pence out because they just don't like him. They didn't like the January 6th thing, they, whatever the reason is. They, they, there is an animosity, which is, I will say, a bit of a strange level of animosity towards Mike Pence, who... You know, I don't he's not my favorite candidate in the world, but like if you like Trump a lot, he went through four or five years of really basically doing echoing anything Trump said and, and being an incredibly loyal soldier for five years. And then you asked him to kind of overturn the election results, which, look, you know, again, the founders did not create a system in which the sitting vice president could overwhelm his election loss. I mean, it doesn't make any sense as a system. Uh, he didn't do that. And, you know, that's the way that's the way uh, I guess he's become persona non grata. So people don't like him. Vivek's another whole situation here. Vivek is just a, a name recognition thing. Um, I don't think there's animosity against Vivek Ramaswamy in the primary. I think people just don't know who he is. So they're not really considering him yet because they don't really know who he is. He has a lot of room to grow. And I would assume that number would grow. Let me just show you those numbers again. You see these are the top four candidates. 63% considering Donald Trump. Uh, 61% uh, is considering Ron DeSantis. 53% are con- is considering Tim Scott. That's a strong number for Scott. And Scott, if you want to build a profile of a person who could theoretically pop off under the right circumstances, you might look at Tim Scott. Uh, there's not a lot of crossover between Scott and Trump. If Trump were to fade away, you could potentially see, uh, or if DeSantis were to fade away, you could see Scott. Scott is like one of those guys that's seemingly mostly liked by the electorate. Nikki Haley is the next one at 40%. No one else is over 34. So really, the people with the, and a lot of this is a name recognition, but like you could see, people just aren't even considering Chris Christie, right? They're like, I, he has his little base there, and then no one else is considering him. This is the opposite story of what's going on in New Hampshire, where Chris Christie has a pretty, I mean, he's showing up pretty strongly, in the polls there. If you're going to make a list of the people, you'd say, well, who should be in this debate? If, you know, if we're just designing this, we know Trump's not going to go, although I would like him to be there considering he's leading. But you look at, uh, obviously, DeSantis, Haley, Scott. Uh, you would probably also select Vivek and Pence. That's what, four or five? Then you've got uh, Chris Christie. You got to put Chris Christie in because he's very competitive in New Hampshire. And when I say very competitive, he's competitive in that he's finishing second or third place in New Hampshire. That doesn't mean he's going to knock off Donald Trump. He has a very, he has a ceiling, okay? And the ceiling is, you know, there's just a lot of people who don't like Chris Christie. And I I can tell you why. Uh, He can be very annoying. If you don't like Donald Trump, he can be great because he is smart and he's pretty good on the debate stage. And he'll fire off against Trump. And so if you're an MSNBC uh, host, you really like Chris Christie because even though He's a Republican, and if he were president, you'd hate his guts, and you'd say he was the worst person in the world, worse than Hitler. But right now, he's serving a purpose for you, so you can put him on. You could say, we put a Republican on. It was Chris Christie, and he'll say all the things that are bad about Trump that you want to say. So he serves a function in this, but he is doing pretty well in New Hampshire, so you can't just ignore that. Uh, a couple other uh, other polls as we go through a chart of Palooza today. A Trump voters' uh, trust in ex-president is pretty substantial. There's a new poll out showing this. Um, and it's from CBS YouGov. So 
if you, do you feel what someone tells you is true among groups of voters? This is, a, this is legitimately an incredible poll, I'll be honest with you. This is among Trump supporters. And 71% said they believe Trump when they tell them something and they believe that it's true. That's more than they think when it comes to friends and family at 63%, 56% conservative media figures, and only 42% the religious leaders. Now, look, a couple things about this poll. If you have a situation where you trust up any politician, not Donald Trump, not like making some statement about Donald Trump specifically here, any politician, any human being, if you trust them more than you trust your own friends, you should probably get new friends, right? Like, why are you hanging out with people that you trust less than Donald Trump or any other Washington politician? What is the point of that? Like, why have friends that you trust that little? And really, what's the point of church? Because if you trust a politician by 30% more than you trust uh, your church, why are you wasting your Sundays? You know, find something else to do. Sundays are awesome. You can just spend the whole day hanging out. NFL football comes on. You got Sunday night baseball. What's your flavor? Do whatever you want on the weekends. Why bother going to church if you trust a politician more than you trust your church? Uh, That I don't understand at all. Now, family members, some of them can be insane. We all understand that. So possibly it makes some sense here. But like a lot of people have spent a lot of time and spilled a lot of ink. I know uh, the New York Times does this daily. Uh, There are three or four articles every single day about how horrible the Ron DeSantis campaign is. Okay, every single day they put this out there. And it's amazing because normally what you see is sort of the opposite. Right. They go after the guy who's leading. Now, sure, they certainly write a lot about how evil Donald Trump is as well, and they've been doing that forever, but they don't normally spend a lot of time saying how bad the second place guy is. They do that all the time. I mean, they have a whole division of reporters who are reporting about how bad Ron DeSantis is. And a lot of the tone of the coverage is, well, Ron DeSantis has uh, had a flailing campaign. Uh, It's been a disaster. And look, it has not been a perfect, smooth ride by any means. I think if you're Ron DeSantis, you'd like the country to look a little bit more like Iowa looks right now. Uh, yeah, you're down by uh, 23 is even probably more than you want, but you you know mid, you know 10, 15, 20 points isn't terrible when you're going up against a former president with 100% name recognition and a lot of resources. You can argue this is how this race probably should look right now, um, if it was more in that realm, but. At the end of the day, like how it's like one of those things where you make you criticize an NFL player for dropping a tough pass. And then you say to yourself, well, in reality, would I really be able to make that catch? And probably not. Right. Like you're just you're the person in the stands yelling and screaming at at people. Well, these highly tuned athletes are out there doing their best and sometimes they can't make every play. I'm not saying that the DeSantis campaign has been perfect by any means, but like how exactly do you beat a candidate? that people trust more than their friends and family. I, what, what's the, what is your formula for that one? I, write it down for me, because be, you should be a political consultant if you can figure that one out. There's no reason to do what you do. Make millions and millions becoming a political consultant. Because if a group of people who seem to, con, to amount to basically the majority of the Republican primary voters, if at the end of the day, when you're talking to those people, they they trust them more than they trust their church. What are you going to say? I mean, the fact that Donald Trump comes out and says Ron DeSantis is great and then he says he's terrible. They're just going to they seem to trust whatever the last thing he says is. And if you happen to be one of these people, I, I, you know, 
I don't think you think of the world that way, but like if you identify so much with Donald Trump and you look at him and you say this guy's been uh, thwarted. He, let's say, won the 2020 election, if you believe that, if you believe all these indictments are, are false. Like there's nothing Ron DeSantis is going to say about education policy that changes your mind out of that. There's no winning coming out of that for you. I don't care what campaign you're running. It's a little bit less about running a perfect campaign for Ron DeSantis and a little bit of acknowledging that, you know, maybe Donald Trump is just a unique thing that is not going to be beatable in this campaign. We will see. And the debate is going to kind of start that whole process. One more thing before we go. They've decided to look at the Democratic side of this as well. And, you know, what happens if, let's say, Joe Biden gets a challenger? Now, there's no reason to believe he's going to get a challenger. We know RFK and Marianne Williamson are in. Neither one of them are going to knock off Joe Biden unless, uh, you know, I mean, neither one of them are going to be the nominee. Uh, Even if if you saw Joe Biden go away, you'd have Kamala Harris or Gavin Newsom or whatever jump in. Uh, But a poll suggests a primary win for Biden if he had these matchups, with one exception. And you look down the list, you know, he beats Kamala Harris handily. He beats Gavin Newsom handily by 25 points. He beats Pete Buttigieg by 17, beats Hillary Clinton by, excuse me, it's 27 with uh, Buttigieg, beats Hillary Clinton by 24, beats Bill de Blasio by like a zillion, uh, beats Ilhan Omar. I mean, you wasted your people's time with that poll by 53 points. The only person he loses to in the field, and it's by 12 points, it's handily defeated, is Michelle Obama. Now, this is a big Bill O'Reilly theory. Every, every, every election he comes on and says, actually, if you never know, Michelle Obama could jump in at the last second. He says this every time we talk about the elections. And so far, she hasn't done it. But uh, the polling shows that if she did, she'd at least start with the lead. Uh, realistic? Probably not. Uh, but fun to talk about. Fun to torture uh, Joe Biden behind the scenes when he's awake for the 15, 20 minutes a day he's awake. Uh, sure, it serves that purpose for sure. Um, we're going to talk to Stephen Kent. we got more politics coming up in, here in uh, just a second. Stephen Kent joins us next. As central banks in countries like China and India and Australia begin transitioning to a digital currency, the Federal Reserve has been kind of saying, we might do the same thing. Uh, With a digital currency, the government can track every single purchase that you make. Officials can even prohibit you from purchasing certain products or even easily freeze or seize part or all of your money. These are some of the reasons concerned Americans reach out to Birch Gold Group. They have uh, physical assets that are independent from the U.S. dollar. They have gold and they can put it in a tax sheltered retirement account. Learn if gold is right for you. Uh, You can text the name Stu to the number 989898, and they're going to send you a free info kit. They got an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, thousands of happy customers, countless five-star reviews. Birch Gold has been helping listeners from this program from the very beginning. Text STU to the number 989898 and claim your free info kit on gold, because if a central bank digital currency does become reality, it'll be nice to have some gold to depend on. I tell you, Birch Gold is the place to go. It's Birch Gold. Joined now by Stephen Kent, author of How the Force Can Fix the World and editor of This is the Way. Substack, of course, he has a new article out as well in National Review. We'll tweet this out. Biden's embrace of dark Brandon is getting creepy. I agree. We'll tweet out a link to the, uh, the story and uh, make, make sure you check that one out. Stephen, thanks so much for coming back on the program. Nice to see you, Stu. Uh, before we get into this, um, are you the type of person that looks at our next 15 months and says, 
hey, this is really exciting. We're going to have a, an election and all this uh, democracy flying around all over the place. And we're going to be talking about all these important issues. Or the type of person that says, I want to crawl in a cave and not come out until November or December. Boy, there's going to be so much democracy-ing. I'm so excited. <laughs> no, it's going to be really, really awful. Uh, and I am incredibly nervous. I'm actually feeling anxious about whether or not this country can handle what is about to happen in the next 12 months. Yeah, it really is a weird, weird time. And you highlighted something culturally that's really, really interesting to me. A, a strange new trend that has been going on recently. <laughs> it's been mostly the past few years, as you point out. Uh, in your piece for National Review. And it kind of goes uh, around this one piece of video. I want to show this to people. This is uh, Joe Biden uh, with a full embrace of the dark Brandon meme. Watch. <laughs> you can't even drink coffee. I like my coffee dark. <laughs> you can't even he can't even drink coffee convincingly. It looks so stilted and terrible. But the no. idea there, in case you're listening on podcast, is he's drinking a, uh, a out of a mug that is a dark Brandon mug. Remind people where this came from, Stephen. Yeah. So first of all, I don't think Joe Biden knows or cares what dark Brandon is. I think his staff puts him up to this kind of stuff to sell T-shirts <laughs> yes. and sell mugs. Uh, but, you know. Dark Brandon is a meme that started on the Chinese app Weibo several years ago in response to the Let's Go Brandon chant, you know, the whole idea of, of saying F you to Joe Biden. Uh, and so somewhere on this this Chinese app, uh, Chinese propagandists start cooking up this sort of godlike version of Biden that has laser eyes. He sits on a throne of AR-15s that he has requisitioned from the American people. You know, he destroys his enemies. He's powerful. He's everything that Joe Biden really isn't. And this is started on that app. It then enters the American mainstream through Twitter. You know, thank goodness all good things happen on Twitter. Uh, and now a couple of years down the road, Joe Biden himself and his communications team are selling dark brand and swag in record numbers through the campaign website for their 2024 campaign. Uh, Axios reported that dark Brandon merchandise are the top selling items for the Joe Biden campaign. I was kind of gobsmacked by this because this is the guy who was the running mate to hope and change Barack Obama. <laughs> and now we're at a point where the most popular item or message that you can put out there for your your voters is I will destroy <laughs> and salt the earth with my enemies, uh, meaning Republicans. It's pretty dark. It, it really is. And I mean, look, th this, as you point out in the piece, it does happen on both sides at some mm -hmm. level. But there is a strange embrace here. And I'm, you know, I'm somewhat torn between Look, it's just, you know, silly fun, right? I, you know, the, the Chinese propaganda angle con conflicts <laughs> me a little bit on that point. But, like, I, I see what you're doing. Like, you're trying to take s something that's a negative or something that's working for the other side and turn it into your favor. Right? You know, I kind of get that. But there is, there is a, an issue when you start praising the Darth Vader in your scenario, right? Like, when yeah. the Dark Lord is the, uh, is the guy you're cheering on which sometimes happens in movies, it's okay in movies, but in, in real life, it's probably not a very healthy instinct. 
Yeah, I think we should all be asking ourselves why foreign entities like uh, Russian troll farms, they do this on the right with the God Emperor Trump meme and the, you know, the whole idea of, of Trump as <laughs> some sort of mighty God who can also destroy his enemies. This comes out of uh, Russian troll farms, the Chinese propagandist farms, they cook up this uh, dark Brandon Joe Biden thing. And we should ask ourselves, why do they think this will take off? It's because these are totalitarian countries who truly believe that democracy is an aberration, sort of this random fluke of the last couple hundred years in human history. They believe that people want strongmen in China and in Russia. We know now that China is actually founding schools for autocracy in South Africa and funding authoritarian schooling programs for civic leaders in Africa because they believe that this works. And so they cook up this joke, they put it online and Americans run away with it. We have fun with this stuff. I think memes are hilarious and I find Dark Brandon to be funny, but it speaks to something underneath the surface within all of us, which is that we all want to control the way that the world works, the way that politics go, and we would like to defeat our opponents who we consider to be, you know, incredibly misguided and or dangerous uh, to human prosperity and flourishing. And so this idea that the, the meme has sort of taken hold of Democrats really speaks to just how authoritarian and negative they are becoming in this era in response to Trump and Republicans. Mm. You know, I, I, uh, I, I believe it was ancient philosophers, Tears for Fears, who pointed out that everybody wants to rule the world. And there is some like actual, like there's something to that, right? It, it's like everyone wants to kind of have a fantasy league where you get to make all the decisions. And, you know, I don't like to give Chinese propagandists too much credit on being right, but in some ways they are right here. Like. Throughout human history, human history is a story of people looking for the right strongman over and over and over and over again and learning a very bad lesson about what happens when you find the, the, the strongman. Because even if you find the right one for a year or two years or three years, eventually they start turning on not only your enemies, but also on you. And America's like the place that solved this. We were the ones that said, okay, we're gonna go a different direction and try something new, this new incredible experiment. And lately it feels like both sides, I would argue specifically, maybe more the left, but there is some of this on the right as well that, that wants to just, let me just find me the right strong man. The problem is we haven't found the right one yet. And like that is an instinct that constantly is punished throughout history. Yeah, the uh, the philosopher king does not exist, but humankind will always be searching for that person. Um, you know, in my in my piece for National Review, you can look over a couple of different polls and studies that show that belief and foundational support for democracy and some of our institutions, such as the Supreme Court, are bottoming out, not just among, you know, some Republicans, but hugely among Democrats. Democrats support the Supreme Court's existence at a rate of only like 17%. And it's dropped by half in just two years. What that should tell you is that Democrats, the, the people who kind of shout to the, to the sky about protecting our institutions, they, just like anybody else, are susceptible to, well, if, you know, democracy is under threat, maybe our institutions need to change or need to be thrown out entirely. You know, we just need to break the emergency glass in order to save democracy. 
it's it's a losing gambit and it's incredibly dangerous. In my piece, I try to not be alarmist about humor and memes. Again, like memes are funny. I share a lot of them. But just like with sarcasm or dark jokes or saying cruel things to people in person, what comes out of you is a reflection of you. The words that you choose to use uh, have an impact on your spirit, just like the content that we put out online. I happen to think that sharing aggressively authoritarian memes about our leaders, whether it be Reagan, Bush, you know, uh, Clinton or, or Biden, is a reflection of something going on inside people, that we are searching for something that American democracy and our republic does not offer, mm. which is quick and easy solutions from authoritarian figures. We have about a, a minute left here, Stephen, but I want to switch gears quickly to something related, and it's something yeah. that you wrote about on your Substack, which is this Oliver Anthony uh, song that came out. <laughs> And it's you know it's this phenomenon and and like when I first heard it first of all he's you know he's clearly a talented guy and he's he's a, you know he's got a huge hit song and it's it's kind of a cool story of someone who kind of comes out of nowhere, and I listened to the song at first I was like yeah like no one will say this stuff and and it's great to hear people say this, at the other point when I thought about it again it sort of depressed me that this is something that people wanted to say you know like the things he's talking about. You know, yes, there is an element of society that is really struggling with many of the things he's saying about. But at the other point, I look at this and I'm like, you know, life is a little bit better than this. Maybe we're we're not looking at the positives of life and seeing things again in this dark, dark shadow all the time. In, in a way, it's sort of depressing. Yeah, it is depressing. And what I will say is that Regular everyday Americans have every right, and particularly musicians. I'm a musician myself. We don't love singing happy songs. We love right. singing songs about about hurt, the things that aren't working. I think somebody remarked that Taylor Swift, nobody listens to Taylor Swift's songs uh, for advice on having a happy marriage. They listen to it for, you know, just <laughs> venting about the breakup. And Oliver Anthony is, is venting, and people should vent. It's the responsibility of our leaders to then hear the venting and offer us a, a prosperous, hopeful vision of the future. Our leaders are not doing that anymore. It is doom and gloom on both sides, fire and brimstone. Um, you know, whether it's Reagan, whether it's Obama's hope and change message, you know, this is not sunshine and rainbows politics anymore. And they need to hear Oliver Anthony and offer something better. Mm. That's right. Stephen Kent, uh, be sure to read his article in National Review. It's called Biden's Embrace of Dark Brandon is Getting Creepy. And I, there's a lot of creepy things about, uh, about uh, Joe Biden that we can get into maybe in a future interview. Uh, Stephen, thanks so much for coming on the show. And we'll make sure to tweet the link out for you. Good to see you, Stu. Thanks. So if you're buying or selling a home, what do you do? Yeah, you, you can do the basics, the things that we always used to do. Hey, do you have a friend uh, who know, who's a real estate agent? Anyone you know is a real estate agent? You could look on a bus bench for an ad or a billboard. You can go to the house you want to buy, and underneath will be the real estate agent that listed it. You can just click on that. Of course, they're working for the seller, so why would you want to go that way? Realestateagentsitrust.com is the place you can go to find uh, screened real estate agents. These are people who have been screened for their performance. These, this, this is already going on. You don't have to do that work yourself. It's a free service to you, whether you're buying or selling a home. Get the best price out of your transaction. Make sure it goes the right way. Have the best real estate agent on your side with realestateagentsitrust.com. The name kind of says it all, realestateagentsitrust.com.
Joe Biden had lied for decades about his civil rights record, claiming that he desegregated movie theaters and restaurants in, in Wilmington, Delaware, when he didn't, any, didn't do any of that. He lied and said that he tried to visit Nelson Mandela during apartheid South Africa. He did not. And he came in here and told you you aren't even black unless you think a certain kind of way. It seemed to me that should have been a wake-up call for you, but it wasn't, apparently. Yeah, I mean, no, for the record, I'm not a Democrat or Republican. I, I, I didn't say I, you were. Yeah, I think both I don't know what you are. I, I never yeah, even I, asked you about your party affiliation. Yeah, I think I'm just saying, you, but you are black. Absolutely. And, and to have a white guy come in here and tell you you have to say, uh, think a certain kind of way, otherwise you, quote, ain't black, wow. How should I have replied to him, you think? What I just now said, how dare you insult me and tell me I, I think as, as a human being, let alone as a black person? I don't tell you how to think, Joe Biden. How dare you come in here and tell me how, to, how I, I, I should think? I'm going to vote for Donald Trump if I want to vote for Donald Trump. And, and if I want to vote for Donald Trump, it does not make me not black. 20% of black people, black men, as I said, voted for Donald Trump in 2020. Are they not black now? So only 80% of black people, black men walking around are really black, 20% are not, because mm. they voted for Donald Trump? How insulting is that? How condescending is that? Mm. I, I mean, you're probably right, but I didn't take it in that way. Well, <laughs> I did. As I said to him in that moment, right, you know, it's just about me. It's amazing. That's a great clip, and it goes on for a while. Uh, that's Larry Elder, you know, with Charlemagne. And, and like, what's interesting about this is we're going to have people like Doug Burgum on the stage. We're going to have Asa Hutchinson on the stage. We're going to have a bunch of people who really have zero chance of making an impact with conservative voters. And it looks like Larry Elder isn't going to make it. And look, I don't know. Larry Elder, is, it's, you know, he, it's a, somewhat of a long shot campaign here. Uh, but I don't know if you get Larry Elder in front of people, especially in a debate format. I mean, he just destroyed Charlemagne in that clip to the point where he's like, oh, yeah, you're probably right. I didn't think of it that way. That's not somebody you want to deal with on a debate stage. And I would love to see him there. You know, of all the candidates, you know, like, kick off Larry Elder and or, excuse me, uh, Asa Hutchinson and uh, you know, Doug Burgum and give me some Larry Elder in a debate. That's something I would like to see. We'll see if he can make it for one of these future uh, debates. Uh, Larry Hogan is talking up about his No Labels initiative. Uh, he's been kind of associated with this group, along with the people like Joe Manchin for a while. They say if Trump and Biden win the nominations, they're going to go for it, potentially. They're likely to launch a third party alternative if that happens. They do have they've had a lot of money behind that movement. Um, again, I don't know that there's a huge movement there. It is an interesting idea. It does seem to be that if they did actually do this, the candidate would be more likely to pull votes from Joe Biden than Donald Trump. We'll see if they actually go forward with that, if their polling shows that's true, because my guess is if that is what it shows, Joe Manchin's certainly not going to run, and uh, I, don't, I don't even know that Larry Hogan would. They all hate Trump so much that I don't think that that would happen. And finally, uh, Joe, John Fetterman, uh, he's blowing up social media, apparently, with his new mustache. This is a Fox News story, by the way. I'd, like to, I'd love to blame another media source for this. No, it's a Fox News. Uh, they made a whole story about uh, that he doesn't have a goatee anymore, apparently. Honestly, I, I, he definitely looks differently, uh, different in that picture. I can't remember what he looked like previously to that. I guess he had a goatee. And they're comparing him to Breaking Bad's Walter White, which isn't... I, I mean, Walter White was actually a terrible human being, uh, a great show, but he's not a good guy. Uh, so there are some comparisons. Um, but I will say that uh, he went the other way, right? He went from having a mustache to having a goatee when he kind of went uh, full Heisenberg. Uh, so I don't, I don't think the comparison holds up, and certainly I think we should spend a little bit less time. Uh, this is just some, some honest criticism, uh, conduct, uh, constructive criticism to uh, our friends over at Fox News. Maybe a, less, a little less time on the John Fetterman facial hair stories. Uh, just my opinion. You can do with it what you want.
Uh, your temperature at night when you're when you're sleeping. I, you know, I had this situation this morning where I woke up and it was just so cozy and perfect. That I just did not want to get out of bed. And when you have that going on, oh, it's the best. It's the best thing in the world. You need Miracle Made's bed sheets. Now, Miracle Made has these silver infused fabrics. They're inspired by NASA. Miracle Made sheets are thermoregulating and they are designed to keep you at the perfect temperature all night long. These sheets are infused with silver. They prevent up to 99.7% of bacterial growth, so yeah, you don't have to worry about odors or I don't know, whatever weird stuff happens. Uh, I don't want to know. Like you, whatever happens in your bedroom, that's up to you. I don't want to know about it, but Miracle Made can take care of whatever's going on, I guess. Uh, Miracle sheets are luxurious, com luxuriously comfortable without the high price tag of other luxury brands, and they feel like you're in a five-star hotel. Miracle is so confident in their product, they're backed with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you aren't 100% satisfied, you'll get a full refund. Try Miracle.com. Try Miracle.com slash do. Go there. Try Miracle Made Sheets today. And when you're buying them, uh, you know, whether it's for you or for somebody else, you can get over 40% off. And if you use your promo code STU at checkout, you'll get three free towels and save an extra 20%. Head to mymiracle.com slash two. Treat yourself. It's Miracle Maids bed sheets. Joe Biden is in Maui. He's touring the wreckage and devastation there. And uh, I have no comment about that. Uh, at least that's that was the stance of Biden a few days ago on uh, the whole Maui thing. No comment. And I don't know. I, I, does anyone believe that he cares about this at all? I am interested to see that he's finally decided to embrace his role as a candidate for president of the United States and actually show some empathy, act like he cares. I don't find it to be authentic at all, personally. But he did go. Uh, and, there, and by the way, I will say this. I've seen a lot of journalists who are in uh, Hawaii to cover the damage, and I'm calling you out, okay? We all know what you're doing. You're going, you're writing off a trip to Hawaii, and then you're taking a few pictures over by the devastation, and then you're going to the other side of the island, which is totally fine, and you're just living it up in Hawaii. It's disgusting, um, and also, uh, I'm, uh, I wish I had thought about it uh, before. I criticized it, but it, it does seem like the type of thing that it does seem like a lot of people are doing this. You know, you think about this devastating fire, which it was, and it was a terrible situation. We've covered it in depth, but also like 95% of the island is completely the same as it was before this happened. Um, and so a lot of people seem to be taking advantage of uh, IRS uh, tax rules on trips, I will say, right? A lot of people, I didn't think really did damage reporting or happened to be there in Maui. And that's you. Shame on you. And make sure you tell me that idea before you do it next time. Okay, so here's what happened. Every once in a while, you got to cash in on your previous success. And artists do this all the time. They release new Greatest Hits albums. Even though they've already released a Greatest Hits album, they just release it again and just shuffle the songs around a little bit. Well, Queen is doing this right now, and Queen has released a new version of their Greatest Hits album that does not have Fat Bottom Girls on it. And people are speculating, like, is this just everybody going woke? Are they saying, like, now because fat bottom is, like, it's offensive, it's fat shaming, so we're going to leave this off? We don't know the answer to that question yet. I will say also, we, my understanding of Freddie Mercury is he didn't have a big interest in girls of any type, just despite of what size the bottom was. Uh, that's just a little speculation. Uh, but uh, it's an interesting thing, and you see this going away. It's pathetic, right? I, 
we have to be able to understand what happened in history. How do you understand history if you just erase all the bad things that happened out of the, the past? You can't do that. Let art speak for itself. Uh, speaking of art, by the way, our debate coverage is going to be vintage art. BlazeTV.com slash do. Use the code. We will not be censored. You'll save 30 bucks right now. So use that one. Um, join us and then YouTube.com slash America for extended coverage. It's Wednesday night. Don't miss it.